Welcome to the Soulful CXO, where we discuss leadership principles, core values, health, wellness, and resiliency. I'm Dr. Rebecca Wynn, the founder and the host of the show. Do you have a topic or guest you would like to be featured on the show? Would you like to be a sponsor? Please reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at Rebecca at SoulfulCXO.com. Please go to our partner, Cybersecurity Tribe, for weekly show recaps and other resources. Listen and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Soulful CXO. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Wynn. We are pleased to have with us today, Jason Elrod. Jason is the Chief Information Security Officer for Multicare Health System. Previous roles include Head of Security and Chief Security Architect at Stutter Health for 10 years, where he and I first met, numerous roles as VCSO and VCTO as a consultant. He's on several advisory boards, including Cybersecurity Tribe and Medigate. He has been featured as a guest on Security Headlines in Cybersecurity Week and Review. Is a highly sought-after, award-winning keynote speaker, panelist, article writer, mentor, and thought leader on topics such as cybersecurity and healthcare, risk assessments, and strategic solutions in protecting healthcare data. Jason, it's been a couple of days since we've met and seen each other. Welcome to the show. It's been a hot minute. <laughs> I appreciate it, and I'm happy to be here. Thanks. I really want to meet that guy you just talked about. <laughs> yeah, me too. No, I'm just so yeah. <laughs> Jason, background is really... Fascinating, and you had programming. You went to Harvard. You went ahead, and you, you're this starch notch, so so great presenter, and all that kind of stuff. Can you walk us through your career and how you got to be the wonderful Jason that I oh, know today? Wow, that that that's a loaded question right there for sure. I will take the way back machine on, on this one. I can say I wrote my first computer program in 1979. Because my father at the time was a programmer for the Department of Justice, and he had all these fun things that had lights on them and bebops and fingers and things. So I just had to get involved with that. It goes way back. It goes way back. But interesting is uh, early career, I didn't want anything to do with technology. I, I did it. I thought, yes, yeah, something you did. It was a hobby. It was something great. It was something fun. Vastly interested in it. But I wanted to do things with people be more involved and be involved in, in, in the people relationship aspect of it. There was a long period of time initially where I was didn't want to do the technology. I just had it. It was a given. And But eventually I, I found that those are the jobs that I always tended to, to land in because it was a very unique skill set, especially back when I would say mid eighties, when I first became a professional technologist. So I've been doing IT for well over 35 years, I guess is where it's at. And for 30 of that or so, it's been in IT leadership roles. And the last 20, 25 or so have been specifically focused on security. And a lot of that was out of desperation instead of inspiration initially. But now I find that it's just, it fits. It's something I love. It, it matches with my defender mindset. It's one of those ways where I can get in there and, and apply my skills as a humanistic nerd, I would say, and be able to provide value and protect and help and assist in, in the world. And I think it's a, it's just a fantastic, ever dynamic industry. So I really appreciate it. Could you talk a little bit more about how you can start this career off and have a great career and things 
go ahead and get your degree. And yeah, we, we, we were talking about that. So you did mention the Harvard thing, but I'll have to go back a little bit before that. I got, I didn't have a college degree through most of my career. I had no college degree. And a matter of fact, I got my bachelor's degree in 2016 is when I did. And then when I finally wanted to do that, then I actually proceeded from there. And I went on to, to Harvard to get my, my master's degree right after that. The reality was I was a security leader already. And I had been for a long time without having the paper, I guess, to, to back it up. And that's a good point. I think people need to realize that most of the barriers we experience in our careers or in our life are artificial. We make them up. Yes, some jobs are going to say, thou shalt have a medical degree to be a doctor. Thou shalt have a law degree to be a lawyer. But outside some of those very specific, I would say, niche talent profiles, we often, we're often our own worst enemies. We get in way of ourselves and say, I can't do X, Y, or Z until A, B, or C is done. And I think when you get beyond that, um, there's nothing that can stop you. I, I really don't think so. So there's, I think a lot of ways people like to admire the problem of I don't have a degree or I didn't have this pedigree or I didn't have this experience or that experience. So it's so much harder. And a lot of times I just say noted. And what can you do now? So take that, use that and use it to motivate you, use it to get you in the space. Because in reality, our success is based on our habits what we do on a daily basis and what we think we're capable of. And when we expand that and we dive into it, I don't think there's any limit really to what anybody can do. So me as an example, a lot of people always thought that I had a college degree, but never knew it that I didn't until at one point I said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to use this. Uh, I'm going to use the educational reimbursement. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I think I'm going to get a degree. And they're like, what? You don't have one. And I think that uh, that's important. That's important. So I guess it's a believe in yourself and, and just get after it mode. But it's been an interesting ride for sure. So you talked about starting out and then getting into leadership. How did that progression go? Where did you start? And then was it that you had a mentor or a sponsor who said, hey, here's a job opening. I think you'd be good at it. How did you go through that to even go from being a worker bee to leadership, especially without, like you said, without having a degree? I think I mentioned I've been doing doing IT for a long time, but I didn't really want to do IT initially. I wanted to connect with people. I wanted to have that connection. And I think that's key. So a lot of folks who are attracted to STEM careers tend to want to do things that are more technical, black and white, ones and zeros, math, programming. It's either working or it's not working. The world. And I, I think... I know you'll agree with this. People are not that way. <laughs> there's always a gray area. There's, there's always a smooth. It's between an analog and a digital world. And because I was so interested in actually wanting to connect with people, the people side of it, and I already had the technology skill, it was a very uh, fortuitous convergence, I would say. So they'd say, hey, we've got these network engineers. We've got this team of programs. We've got this people. And we have no idea what they're saying. Nobody's fluent in nerd. I need somebody who can translate between nerd and English. 
And even better, if you can go nerdy English and business, have I got a job for you? And so it was that ability to be that Rosetta Stone, I think, in a lot of ways to communicate both the folks that were more analytical, more black and white, more in the technical world with the folks who weren't necessarily, that really gave me my first opportunity in there. So embracing both sides of those equations, the EQ with the IQ, which I think is really what is needed. So if you've got a lot of EQ and you've got some folks that you've got to deal with that are very IQ centric, school up on that, but vice versa. If you're in a very sort of IQ, I would say centric sort of world or job space, and you want to bring people together, you want to lead people, you want to go ahead and and take that next step into leadership, then learn it. Learn the human component, learn the analog component of it. And I think that's what really served me well. And then I had some opportunities in there because what would happen is it would, I would be with the IT team and they'd say, go tell these people this because they're not understanding what we're saying. And I go tell them what they were saying and they go, go tell them, this is what we're saying. I go back and tell them this is what they're saying. And in a lot of ways, that really is your job as a leader, isn't it? Like, How do you translate the wants and the needs between your stakeholders on both sides of that equation? So I was very lucky in, in some ways to say that, but I do believe that luck is when opportunity meets preparedness and that we make it ourselves. Again, didn't have a degree, didn't really have that leadership intent necessarily, but I really did want to have that connection. And that was the probably single most impactful thing that launched me into leadership. Because I, I literally quit three leadership jobs so I could go be an individual contributor in three different jobs. And within six months of every job that I joined as an individual contributor, I ended up being the, a supervisor or manager in that role for the same exact reason. Yeah, building those relationships and getting people to follow you, plus walking the talk and knowing their stuff. Now, one of the challenges that I know that people reach out to me mentor, and I know you mentor people as well, is how I seem to have a love for cybersecurity or something similar along those lines. I don't innately have the background on paper to be able to get through the door. How do I get through the door? How do I get past HR and other people like that so I can at least have an audience with the person so I can show them my skill sets? How do you work through that when you're trying to hire people or mentor people? Wow. Um, that's a good question. A couple of ways. So one, one is the candidate side of it and one is the hiring manager side of it. I'll start with the hiring manager side of it. It's my job as the hiring manager to go to my HR partners, the recruiters that will actually be working with, whether internal or external, and really express, hey, this is what I'm looking for. And this is what I mean when I say this is what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for necessarily that, that, that degree. I'm not. Because uh, I, it'd be a little ironic for me to require one when I didn't have one for a long period of my career. I'm interested in the personality of the folks and their ability to walk the talk is what you talked about. Like, where are you? Can you leap logical levels laughingly with me? Is what I would say there. Can you describe, hey, here's the solution. Here's how it would design it. Here's how it implement it, operate it, support it. 
A, and this is how I would take that solution. This is how it, this is the capabilities it provides, which leads how it would support strategies or visions or goals in the organization. So really working closely with your recruiter to understand what all those things mean. Say, hey, I'm looking for somebody that understands this big picture and has these atomic skills toward these detailed skills. They need to be a forensic examiner. They need to be able to do SOC. They need to be able to work in an incident response. They need to be able to do vulnerability management. You can be very specific about that. Very point skills. But the fact is, I, I want to get somebody who's motivated to do it and understands the bigger picture. And then we scale into it. From the uh, So it's my responsibility. I think it's a responsibility of every hiring manager in cyber to do that. Make sure the people you're working with understand what you're looking for and not just class. I'm looking for people with CISSPs and five years experience for an intro role. No, you're never going to find that you're in a corn plus it's impossible. You give them hints. Like when I say this, this means this to me, words mean things. And these are what they mean to me when I'm asking for these requirements. So one, there's a responsibility to hiring manager. So two, we talked about, Hey, I love cyber. I love it. I want to get involved with it. There you go. So I'm going to encourage everybody to do that. It's very dynamic and it's very interesting, but I'll also say it can also be a very exhausting career. It doesn't stop. But how do you get into that network? Network with folks, talk with people, connect with them, get in there. Yes, apply for every job you can. Do internships, involved with people, but get a mentor. Get a mentor. A network, get that referral, find out maybe in your, your current organization, they don't have a security function. Well, be that person. Step out of your box a little bit and provide more value in that space. And the more value you provide in that space, the much easier it is to have that title of cybersecurity analyst, incident response, pen tester. Prove you can do it. But prove you not, not just you have the skill set, but that you can provide value with the skill set. Networking, providing value, and don't stop. I think one to add to is what you had talked earlier, but taking advantage of the opportunities. I remember where I was working for a place, I won't name them, but there was a lady who was in college. She was doing an intern. We need a mobile tablets person. So she got a little bit of networking. Got to learn about tablets, got a little bit of security, privacy, because she had to go to me to go ahead and look about how to go ahead and harden those to meet my standards and had to be able to show that she was doing that. And I said, hey, if you'd like to go ahead and have lunch, like to go ahead and buy you lunch, help you think about your career. You talked about you didn't know if you're going to go to security or networking, whatever. Here's where my office, have an open door, or just tell me what day or time can be best with you as an intern. Love to go ahead and help you out any way I can. Never took that opportunity. And I literally reminded her every month for the three months that she was there that I, I was open to helping her and having those conversations with her. For me, that was a little bit disappointment. You're not going to be able to force people. And it's a female. I'm going to look out for females too. I, don't get me wrong. I don't look out for guys, but females that generally have a little harder time getting up the ladder. But here's a person who says, I'm for the long of you and I'm willing to go ahead and to go ahead and listen and help you out and give you a leg up. You got to take advantage of those opportunities. hundred percent. And that, it kills me to hear that because folks like you and I, who have a lot of experience, 
and I know just I, Rebecca, we've known Ella for a while. We love to mentor. We love to have that in conversation. I'd love to get somebody and say, okay, great. What's next on your step? What really fires you up about this? What do you want to do? Can we talk about information security? That is a wide and deep. You can go all sorts of different ways with it. And when I said about network with people, get those referrals, get those mentors. They're out there. Most of the time you just have to ask. And in your case, if you're offering, that's a double whammy because you offered, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. You offered because you saw potential, mm-hmm. a lot more potential than the, what they were currently executing on. And so if you have a, a mentor or somebody in your circle who actually goes out and says, hey, if you ever want to have coffee or want to talk about potential and cybersecurity or IT or whatever it is, gosh, unless you are super, super happy and you're not, and you've won the lottery and you don't feel like doing any more work anywhere, take advantage of that. Because guess, guess what that person is? That's the person who's going to give you that referral, who's going to give you that recommendation. I tell all of my employees, one of the first things I guess, you know what? You're not going to work for me. And they say, what? It's my first day. This, I'm fired? <laughs> I said, no, not at all. But you didn't work for me up to this point. And at some point, you won't work for me in the future. So one or two things can happen. One, at that point, when you go to your next role or you're tired or I leave my role where I'm at, at that point, one or two things are happen. You're going to say, hey, Rebecca or Jason, they really supported me. And I'm, you're going to be a champion of our program and helping us as leaders. Maybe backfill, get that next group of people in. Or you're going to be a detractor. You're going to be like, avoid that program. Those two, whoo, couldn't get out of there quick enough. So from a leadership standpoint, we're, we're driving that in. From, I drive that in from day one. Hey, you know what? I'm here to help. Where do you want to go next? I just got here. Yeah, but where do you want to go next? Because there's all sorts of things we can do here, but let's set you up for success, not only today, but in the future. And if, for instance, like you're an IT and you're security now, and you really want to be a a landscape architect, hey, let's work something out. We'll figure something out how that works. I'm going to take advantage of your skills, talents, profiles, motivations now. And I am going to help you get to that space because that's what a good leader does. And when that person gets to that next space, they're going to be a proponent. They're going to be, they're going to take that and they're going to drive security as a culture somewhere else. But they're also going to say, hey, this is, that's the program you need to be with. That's the kind of leadership that I wish I still had. It's interesting. I had started a company, and one of the things is when they introduced me as the CISO, you know, had a town hall, and they gave me a mic. I think they probably wish they didn't give me the mic. And the reason for it is I told people I had a career before this. Very fruition career, number one in the nation, mutual Beaumont, New England Financial, Financial Services, and all that kind of stuff. But I hated the day-to-day. I loved being up solutions and things like that with the clients, but I didn't like that part. But technology ended up becoming a love of mine. I said, life is too short to not be doing what you love. we got enough struggles in a day today. And so I said, it's okay to, to realize that a love that you had for a short period of time is not your full love. And I said, one thing I tell people all the time is, what do you spend all your time on your weekend or at nights doing? You spend all your time Googling about technology and all this sort of kind of stuff. Probably your heart's leading you that way. But I said, that's why I'm here. People ask me, do I aspire to be a CIO or anything else? No, I just aspire to be the best CISO 
I can be because that's who I am as a whole. Very next day, three resignations stating that speech caused them to go to their love, which was, I've been doing real estate on the side and I always enjoy to do it and things like that. But I still say that was the best for them people. And that's why I tease that they probably would never want to give me the mic again. And they did give me the mic again. But again, it's doing what's best for you holistically, authentically, will actually make you a better father, mother, you know, daughter, better son, human. all that kind of stuff, better human. <laughs> so life is too short not to be doing what you love. And if you do find follow that passion, like you said, and pay attention to those golden nuggets that come across your path, internships, someone asked you real quickly if you could do this peer review on this paper or anything along those lines, they will get you down that path. That's what I see. Do you agree with that? I see that when I'm struggling with something, usually something will come across my desk that'll help me work through it. Well, 100%. And even this point, even though you had three immediate resignations, I would posit that those three people, if asked to talk about you as a leader, asked to talk about that company, as asked to talk about that previous role, they're not going to be naysayers. They're going to say, hey. We're in contact still today. <laughs> there you go. See? And, th and that's what. And those people will lead to new jobs, new opportunities, new doors open. Never burn those bridges, for one. But I bet you those folks actually said, hey, you know what? If somebody mentioned, hey, I'd really like to get in cybersecurity. I watched, I don't know, CSI, cyber or something. That's me. That's what I want to do. They said, hey, you should probably go check out this company over here because if it's your love, if it's your passion, if you work 40 minutes a day, you're thinking about this stuff, then I got the people, I got the next step on your journey. And it's with these people right here. Go talk to them. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, fantastic. So that's a good story. I'd give you the mic again, but. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me? One of the things that you also mentioned earlier, we talked a little bit about really about resiliency. Today, what we see is we see a lot of people in technology, other fields too, a lot of CISOs that we're burning out, finding ourselves not resilient. And then we end up having to take a career break um, mm -hmm. for a long period of time, just because really we're depleted. How do you keep yourself from being depleted? Gosh, yeah. As opposed to that enforced sabbatical uh, that sometimes <laughs> happens. So that's a good point. Paid time off. Take time off. And I think it's, a lot of people say, if you got vacation, take vacation. It's a very American thing to just work. And by the time you a lot like retire or leave a particular job, all of a sudden you've got 200, 300 plus PTO hours that you never took, but you're now burned out. And you now are leaving maybe a job that, that you could have been a longer term success at, but you've got a toxic relationship with the amount of work you put into it and dedication you put into it and, and whatever that is. Um, and, and you got burnout. You know what? Catch burnout as soon as you can. Stop it. Take PTO. All right. Good example. I'm my current role. I hadn't taken significant PTO for about a year and a half. And then I said, you know what? I got to do this. I've got to take the time because I started noticing what I would call the precursors of burnout. When you start to notice best time to start, a, <laughs> stop a fire before it starts. So you see that and then get into it. So me personally, just this last weekend, I went with my brother-in-law. We, we picked a winner of a weekend to go out motorcycle camping. 
So basically, we went out into, you can see I'm here in Nevada. That's my little Nevada flag over there. We were talking Nevada, not cold in the summer. And, but going out, disconnecting from technology, doing something that's, that is, I would say, soul enriching, going out and, and camping in the desert, looking at the sky and really seeing the Milky Way, seeing the stars. And part of our conversation was at a moment being able to understand how big you are because you're part of that and how small you are because of who you are. And in connecting in things some way, find something in your life that does that for you. So we went out and camping. That was great. It was a full disconnect a couple of days, pretty hot, <laughs> but it's a disconnect. And the value of that is huge because in that disconnect, in that silence from the constant din that is, is our job, all the emails and the requests and the interrupts and the threat in our world and the threat actors and the telemetry and the news and all the possible bad, horrible, ugly things that could be happening. Take a moment, take a moment for yourself because you need to be at a hundred percent if you're going to give a hundred percent. And I think that's a nuance there. If you say, Hey, show up every day, give a hundred percent. If you don't have 100% your batteries, let's say you're at 80%, 75%, guess what 100% is? 100% of 75% is 75%. I thought you didn't do math. I did. Uh, <laughs> I've got people for that. Uh, <laughs> but the point being, if you're not fully charged, you're not going to be able to give a full charge. So go do it. If you really want to be successful, you really want to go to that next level, take time for yourself because that's part of it. So I think that's a nuance people live like, I just drive. And if, if you slowly, your batteries slowly go down from 99 to 98 to 97, you just drive every day to 96, to 92 to 90 to 80. You drive, drive, drive. By the time you get around that 75% level and you were used to producing results at 100% or maybe 90%, but now you can't because your level is 100% for you is at 75%. So you start to burn out. Because you can't even achieve what you know you've achieved before. Solution? Take time. Take your PTO. Do it. There's only so many ways I can say it's just just do it. I've been on where I've taken PTO and then it's like it's nonstop emails, calls, and stuff like that. That ends up starting to be today and being down further in my career, super red flags. Because if you don't realize that when I say I need to take PTO, it means I should have mm -hmm. taken PTO probably six months ago. <laughs> Right. Probably. Um, and that's definitely, I, I tell people, a, a danger zone. And I, I try to remember that for my people saying, you know what, if you don't get a phone call directly from me, you know what, there's there's nothing on fire. And if there was something on fire, obviously on PTO, you can't help. But that's what I'm saying. Unless there was something like, hey, we really can't find this. We really need it. And it's an emergency. Do that. I started taking where try to be a lot more cautious about because you and I are on advisory boards and stuff like that. We know can do, yeah, guess what happens at eight o'clock to midnight? We're like in all these peer groups and stuff like that. I'm just saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to answer that stuff on Sunday. I'm not going to be going on social medias and all that kind of stuff on Sunday. I'm really starting to define my barriers that way better. Is that what you found too? This is my lunchtime. This is my break time. And these are the times that, you know what, I'm going to be off offline. Do you find that that is, you have to be the owner of that as well too, or it just gets run over? 100%.
people will take whatever they can from you. And it's not because people are bad. Everybody's busy. So the more you're willing to give, the more people will take. And if it's 100% all the time, 100% of the time, you're not going to have any time because somebody else will take it. So you're, a, you're the writer of your story. And if you're not the hero or heroine of that story, you're a bit player in somebody else's story. So it's incumbent on you to be the author of your life. And in a lot of ways, that, that's a good example. Hey, you know what? I'm taking lunch. Text me if it's an emergency. My phone is off. How do you text me? Good luck. Find somebody who knows where I am. Text them. They can come get me. You, you have to have those key constraints in place. You have to set those, those barriers up so that you know that when you get too close to them or that you're bouncing against them, careening against your own barriers, that it's time to take a step back, slow down a little bit. I, I mentioned uh, I, 1,440. That's how many minutes are in a day. Nobody gets more. Nobody gets less. You can't beg, borrow, steal, save. You can't put some on a credit card, a time card. That's it, 1,440. It's how you use it every day that determines your results. The prioritization, the focus. And there's no difference between me and the, and the, the CEO, the leader of a country. We all have the same amount of time, the same number of days. The results are only impacted by how we choose to focus those 1,440 minutes. And believe me, build in time for sleep, build in time for eating, build in time for a little bit of exercise, and then figure out how you're going to do that. So I think it's extremely important. And it is 100% your job to do it. And then and a lot of people are like, my boss or my X or Y, Z is causing me, is taking all my time. You're giving them your, your time. And it's okay. You can do that. You've only got so many. And don't blame somebody else for your lack of discipline around how you're using those 1,440 minutes that you're given. Jason, unfortunately, our time has totally flown by. <laughs> what is the best way that people can reach out to you for advisory services, being a mentor, being a speaker, and how can they learn more about your company? Ah, hey, thanks. So probably one of the best ways on, on social media is just go on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, it's the Jason Elrod. I think there's three or four of us that one day when I selected it, I will. They said, what Jason Elrod are you? I said, I'm the Jason Elrod, <laughs> being me. And then it's like, oh, and so I've had that one for a long time. But go on and uh, look me up on LinkedIn. Go ahead and connect there. My personal website is jasonelrod.com. So feel free to visit there to, to see about some uh, uh, connecting there. Maybe if you can't remember that one, you probably don't know who you're looking for. And uh, I, th I think that's about it. Those are some specific ways to get a hold of me. If you're interested in, in some of the work that we're doing at, at my current company, which is Multicare, please visit multicare.org and yeah, check us out there. But that's probably the best way to get a hold of me there. I'm also on, on the bird site and I'm also on Mastodon. Feel free to look me up and connect with me there. I am very active. I do respond, but sometimes I do get a lot of inquiries. I'll get to you. Believe me, I will. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, it's a great pleasure. It's always awesome to talk to you, Rebecca. Well, thanks, Jason, because you are a soulful, 
CXO. Ditto. Ditto.